Yo, yo, Wednesday night vibe warriors. We here. <laughs> it's time. Get everybody in here. Let people know the show has started. They might have fun hanging out with me and Owen Hunt, but you can call him Bootsy. Got to say what's up to the chat. Zoka, Clint, Gordy, Juan, Juan on Juan, <laughs> Eric, Rachel. Good to see everybody. Shout out in the chat if you are watching and I'm happy to see you. Blue Collar Mystics, that must be Bootsy. That's your YouTube handle. Thanks for reminding me. That's where you can find the videos that this guy puts out. Also, you can go to his website, bootsygreenwood.com. So what's up, man? How you doing? Welcome to the Vibe Rant. Oh, dude, I'm vibing already, man. It's already been a good chat even uh, before we got rolling here. I'm just uh, I'm just happy to be able to hang out, dude. And, and I, like I said before, I love the write-up. You have a way with words, my friend. Uh, and uh, it's awesome to watch. It's awesome to see. Hey, thanks, dude. I imagine that you have a way with words, too, because you do comedy and you also read, you narrate audiobooks, which I think is awesome. That's something I'm starting to dip my toes into. I've only completed one, but you put them out for free and you do like classic stuff. That's a cool place to start. But maybe we should also just let you introduce all of the various fingers that you have your pies in. (laughs) Finger pies. Oh boy. Um, Yeah, man. I uh, started doing audiobooks a few years ago just because honestly, man, I didn't want to be telling people how to live and shit. You know, it's like, I trust that Ralph Waldo Emerson probably knows a little bit better than I do. So, you know, I would make those books uh, and I did uh, like As a Man Thinketh, a lot of the classics, the Kabbalion, uh, and then I did uh, a more modern one called Reality Transurfing that got a lot of traction a couple years ago, uh, which I think is an awesome book as well. So uh, it was a great way to get started. And, um, you know, at the time, there were a lot of people out there who were kind of like talking about some of those principles. It's like a quantum kind of book. Uh, I would say it's kind of like it's very transcendentalist. But uh, but I started making like videos of my face on it. And I was mortified when I started doing that actually like a couple of years ago, because I just, I, I, I wanted to hide, man. I wanted to hide behind the camera. I want it to be on the other side. Uh, I'd produce stuff and have some experience in TV and live event production and stuff like that from years and years ago. And I just thought I'll stay quiet. I'll stay behind. But for whatever reason, uh, the opportunity kind of came out to, to just, spell some of this stuff out and try to make it simpler. You know, I've seen so many great people breaking down and synthesizing information. And uh, it's something that I wanted to be able to offer to people as well. So I started doing that. And then that's kind of the nature of the beginning of my uh, YouTube channel. And then what's now blue collar mystics. So that's the name of your show. Is that not the same as Bootsy Greencast though? I think that's what I was on. That is, I did a little bit of a uh, uh, rebrand the first of the year um, because I wanted to open it up. Smart. Yeah, I, I thought it was, it's, it's been a name that I've been sitting on for a while, and I really do love the name. Um, but I want to expand it too to ev- everybody. You know, again, like I didn't want to be like that guru telling you what to do or how to live, which is, you know, that's very like. Uh, projecty of me at the time, but that's kind of the, the, the way that I viewed things, you know, it was like, ah, I don't want to be this type of person. And again, look at what I'm viewing, like what I don't want. And, you know, I've come a long way ever since. Like I, I don't have to look far back to cringe 
But, uh, you know, even the further back, <laughs> yeah, this week, but like, <laughs> like last night on stage, but, uh, but yeah, but it's, it's part of that process of just like opening up, I think. And, you know, allowing yourself to, to offer the gifts that you have, you know, cause I, I think I do have a, a good ability to, to make things simple. And that's, that's the heart of it. It's like, I want to take this crazy esoteric concept and bring it down to earth and make it really practical and usable and simple so that all that stigma and weirdness around it can just kind of go the fuck away. And, you know, someone who is just like, whether you go to church every Sunday and you're kind of uh, a religious type of person, or if you're completely open and you hate, you know, organized religion or whatever, no matter what your view is, I want to be able to present spiritual practical, you know, information and insight in a way that's not threatening to whatever paradigm that it is, um, you know, that should be consumable and pretty easy to implement, you know, like whatever that is. So it doesn't feel witchy or if it doesn't feel, um, you know, too quantum or manifesty or new agey or, or whatever. And I'm kind of a sarcastic person anyway. So like a lot of the buzzwords and things like that, like, 12D Mantis people and connecting with the Galactic Federation. That shit's funny and uh, it deserves to be clowned on a little bit, you know, and uh, even if there's things that I believe in, like channeling, for instance, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't just uh, put my stock in just any person who claims that they channel information, but it is it is a very real uh, phenomenon. It is something that happens. There's a lot it's of like, really- there's not the same thing going on with one channel and another. There's a huge range of possibilities and uh, potentials and risks, too. So you don't. Yeah, I just want yeah. to throw that out there. No, a lot that you said, I guess now that I stole the mic. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'll also say that I love what you're talking about, bringing the esoteric into a down to earth, grounded, easy to understand way of explaining it, because if it's true, it should be self-evident. Because nature equals truth and nature is self-evident everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really what it is for me. I was surprised to learn that my heart could want something and my mind could also enjoy that thing too, or they could align, right? Like to me, for whatever reason, I lived in a state of cognitive dissonance all my life. (laughs) Ashtar Galactica, man. What's up, Juan? That's hilarious. But like, I really had lived in such a state of, uh, of not being congruent to myself, of not living an authentic life of like having this noise and social pressure and all these influencing factors over here. And then really my heart, like wanting to do what it wanted to do. And so this conflict was always happening, you know, all around me all the time. And, uh, until I kind of, dipped my toe in spiritual literature and start to understand I could have both. It didn't really dawn on me. So I was chasing my heart, but trying to like make it fit into a box for years and years and years and years. And I couldn't do that. But ultimately once I kind of like let go and, and learned that these two forces, this duality can work together, then things started to open up a little bit and uh, things started to make a little bit more sense. So I think that opens up to, and one thing that I want to touch on tonight too, is because I don't know if people are having um, creative uh, kind of difficulties, uh, if that's like in the stars right now, (laughs) but it's been something that's been a little bit challenging for me and and the process itself of germination of, of nature, like you're saying, like everything really that we're talking about is self-evident. It's already true within us. And 
letting our mind pick up on that and see the processes at work, identifying the phenomenon. It's, 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 uh, it's huge, you know, and that's what really was pushing me to kind of start sharing this information. Like, Oh shit guys. Hey, uh, we can actually like what we're doing and, you know, and, and do it, feel good about it. It can be a positive thing. It doesn't have to be some, like social, you know, construct or fit into some mechanistic box of, uh, you know, like all of these preconceptions about how we think life is supposed to be or how we're told we can actually enjoy it and we can open up into our purpose and really have a reason for being. And a lot of the stuff that is kind of funky that we don't really uh, understand or, 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 or is difficult can be, pretty manageable, simpler solutions can come up. We can start to learn how to work with the operations that are in nature, which is very much like yin as well as yang. And it's really easy to overlook and overstep that, that space and the allowing of nature to do its work, you know, allowing these forces to complete and do their jobs. Um, as opposed to one, one thing that I do is just over action, 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 action. Why didn't this happen? for me already right now, you know, it's like, if we look at a seed, it goes in the ground and nothing happens. If you pour 10 gallons of water on it, you're just going to drown it. If you, you know, just put it right in the sun and it's, that's all it's getting, then it's not going to grow right. So I think it's really easy for us all to get ahead of ourselves and get really excited. And I want to be able to do a certain thing. Uh, but I think it's also really powerful if we can like, relax, rest into that process, know that it's working. And then at that point, there's not a big rush. And I think we often see results a little bit more quickly and with much less effort. Um, so <clears throat> I don't know, I guess it was a bit of a tirade, but <clears throat> it was a vibrant bro. <laughs> yes. I love it. I like everything that you're talking about there, because when it comes to that germination part of the process, just like the manifestation mystery of life, how does thought become reality? Well, yeah, action's a part of it, but you also have to give the space for the act of God or whatever you want to call it for synchronicity to step in and realize for yourself that everything's going to happen in divine timing. It always does and it always has. So if it's not happening and you're trying to force it, then you're not going to enjoy yourself anymore by continuing to try to force it, you're going to just reinforce the perspective that you're in lack. And that's a trick, you know, because it's a tricky thing because we want to keep the, we're definitely in the action oriented, fully left brain type of society. And it's good. It's good to do the thing, but it's also important, especially like in the winter time to take a break. Yeah. Relaxation. Meditation is just like a hack. And that's uh, an action that we can use, like uh, get our left brain super go, go, go mind to be like, okay, I'm doing something about my need to relax. <laughs> right. Like, it's kind of ironic when you think about it. It is. It's like trying to force yourself to go to sleep. Like I'm going to relax. Like it's like, uh, <laughs> what you resist, man. Uh, it, and, but yeah, I mean, it's so easy to get like kind of lo lost into that and to, and to also see the reflection in the mirror as the object in the mirror. And that's not the case. You know, there's, I, I, I <clears throat> there's a lot of different metaphors when it comes to this, but you know, like if we fix the image, if we adjust our 
image in the mirror, then the reflection will change. And very often we're like, you know, pardon the old tired metaphor, but it still works. The allegory of the cave, the cave wall, the shadows, you know, we're pushing on this material action, 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 trying to get this thing to work. And so we're trying to force the world to do this thing. Uh, and very often it actually just makes things more problematic. It just makes more problems and creates more, uh, resistance as a result of pushing, 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 uh, when we could actually take a step back and be a little bit more of an observer. And then at that point in time, it becomes a little bit easier and there's less stress to choose, figure out what the right, uh, thing is. Um, I'll give an example. Um, last weekend, uh, and this is, I don't know how this is, was even possible, but, uh, Sam Tripoli, I know a lot of folks probably look up to him. Hilarious comic. Like I was blown away at his set was, uh, performing in Jefferson, Georgia. Jefferson, Georgia is 20 minutes from my house. I don't know how they booked this. Show. I do know how I find out how they booked the show. And it's kind of this fluky synchronicity, but I go, I meet a friend of mine who was at uh, contact at the cabin, my friend, Laura, we're talking, having a great time. It's great to catch up with her. And then uh, we see Sam's set hilarious. His opener too was very, <clears throat> very, very funny. Uh, Zane Helberg, awesome comedian. And they were both great. So I go and talk to Sam afterward. I'm like, you know, <clears throat> how you doing, whatever. And then he asked me to host the second show. Uh, and I'm like, dude, absolutely. And so Zane's like, dude, I'll tape you, you know, all this stuff. They're so kind, so nice. Gives me like this super warm uh, introduction, you know, from like the the voice of God, like, welcome to the street, you know, all that stuff. So, <clears throat> so we have a great time and I really enjoyed that opportunity. Um, I think the reason why it happened was because I didn't care if it didn't. You like, I went there. I was happy to see Sam, happy to meet him, support his work. What can I do for the show? Can I help, you know, take pictures? Can I help uh, arrange chairs, whatever, like fold up a table, whatever that is, and try to do those things. Uh, Whereas like the ego can get so in the way. I've talked myself out of more opportunities probably. (laughs) <laughs> that I'd like to admit just because of my own uh, doubt getting in the way, making a big deal out of uh, things that are external to my control, right? Like the folk take the like locus of control on ourselves and be like, what can I do? What can I do to make this the best possible experience for as many people as possible for the other persons who are involved in this particular scenario instead of trying to force my will. If I would have gone up and be like, yo, dude, <laughs> can, I, can I host? You know, it would have been like, uh, maybe I would have gotten the opportunity, but it would have been weird. And uh, it wouldn't have been as smooth, fluid, organic. And that wasn't my goal, but I, but I did think about it. Like and the excitement of the surprise wouldn't be there either. Exactly. That's a big part of it. Dude, I'm fine. Moment is a present. Yeah, dude. What's so great? The universe is the best at throwing surprise parties. That's what I've learned. You know, over the past three years specifically, you know, people talk a lot about specificity and manifestation. I think that has more to do with feeling than it does specific, you know, concrete things, results out here. And uh, and I think when you can tune into that specific frequency, broadcast that to the mirror. Then in time, it reflects like that. But there's a little bit of a delay, you know, but I think when it comes down to that whole like manifestation thing, if I would have tried to force what I thought should happen into this box, I would have only gotten in my way and made a huge mess. 
And then there would have been opportunities that I would have missed that I didn't even know were possibilities, you know, like, like being able to host that show or going on and being on the impractical jokers cruise. I didn't even know that was a thing, you know? Uh, and one day I was just goofing around. I sent my friend to Marco Polo. He's like, Hey dude, you want to go uh, onto the Caribbean for like three months? And I was like, uh, sure. This was a couple of years ago and, uh, wind up having the opportunity to do that. If it was left up to me, I'd be like, well, I'll just sleep in my van <laughs> or whatever, you know, like my goals might be here, but what I think what the universe will have for us is something so custom, you know, ordered, so tailored just for you. If you can be patient, do the work, right? Like keep, keep, you know, keep staying consistent through that germination phase, but allow the germination phase to be there, you know, with, uh, with a grat with a grateful attitude, with optimism, even when it gets bumpy, you know, but just continuing to just move through that. Sometimes it seeds everywhere and keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. Keep trudging, man. Sometimes it's murky. You got to put on the, the waiters and just get through that stuff, but <clears throat> you can do it and just continue to do it. And I think one thing too, where I want to encourage people is like, I don't think a lot of people see all the work that people do before they get to some point where they can look up to them. You know, it's like <clears throat> the amount of work that it takes to get to a certain place, what, whatever that is, what, whoever that you look up to, we all have our mentors and people that we admire and appreciate their work. <clears throat> we don't see it, man. Like how much freaking work that is. Comedy, for instance, is such a grind. People will do that for 10 years going and just doing open mics and alleys, you know, and driving. <laughs> I drove to Atlanta to do two minutes. You know, it's like that. I was three hours in the car to do two minutes and I didn't even finish my two minutes. You know, it was one of those nights. But uh, <clears throat> but, you know, you do that over and over and over and over and over again. You know, uh, there are there's a whole drawer full of notebooks just full of morning pages of just crap that I've written. Most of it's completely worthless. You know, there may be a gem or two in there at some point, maybe I'll get through, but it's, it's just showing up and going through and going through and going through. And eventually I think that if you can just stay consistent, then the universe will be like, all right, here you go. This is custom tailored for you. This is your thing. You know, it's, this is, this is uh interverse or, or vibrant. Like this is, and it, and it feels like shit, this is like my thing, you know, like <clears throat> I said, the, the blue collar mystics thing, it does feel that way to me. Like I do feel like, Hey, let's figure out what's going on uh, with your plumbing. We'll just, uh, we'll just show up with like a tool belt full of crystals. We'll be all right. And we'll, we'll fix the leak. You know, we'll get this thing problem, this problem solved, you know, like, like the practical wisdom of the, of the like older, older man, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the guy who comes in, Mr. Fix it, you know, like the simple wisdom, the keep it simple, stupid method, like all those things. And, and the mix of it too is funny too. Like I'm obviously using that in my act at this point and, you know, using di some different analogies with that, like, you know, uh, and having fun with it because it expands beyond just comedy or just, teaching self-help or whatever that is. And it leads to collaboration with yourself. People like uh, Admiral hits the Sonic portal uh, guy who's a friend of mine. We both know. Um, and, and many other amazing people who are in the alt media United community. I mean, it's, 
pretty nuts what's kind of starting to, it's a bit of a powder keg at the moment, I think. Man, I love all the stuff you just said. I got a lot of thoughts about it. Let's see if I can track them into an order that works out. <laughs> so we'll see how the flow goes, but damn dude, the idea of blue collar mystics is actually kind of cool to, because we've really lost the whole concept of the well-informed and, you know, aptitudes of the divine masculine to just fix shit because of so much of what we have now in terms of technology, it's like pretty much specifically designed so that if it breaks, you have to go to the professional or the expert. Mm. Even when you go to get your car repaired, they don't necessarily know how to fix the actual car <laughs> itself. They just know how to do like the basic maintenance stuff. But uh, backing up a little bit, that idea of all the work that goes into what it is that people that you idolize as a hero are able to do, what bugs the shit out of me is when all of that gets encapsulated into the word talent. Mm. Oh, they're just so talented. (laughs) I could never do that. They're talented. But it disregards the entire journey of a lifetime of blood, sweat, and tears poured into the honing of a craft. And the important thing about that is the daily practice. If you put time and attention and energy into a container that is a particular skill, then over a long period of time, you're going to have a return on that investment. That's actually the probably one of the very biggest inspirations for me when I first started Interverse before I even fell into like the conspiracy side of conspirituality super hard. <laughs> I mean, I started learning about myself and the world and the inner outer reflection and dark and light. And then it became really apparent that I needed to also champion truth about all kinds of things. But I wanted to share the idea to the whole world that whatever it is, the person you look up to is super good at. You actually could be good at it your way. But first you have to drop the comparison of like my version doesn't look like their version. And you also have to put in the time and the work. You have to find a way for your spiritual currency, which is your attention and your energy to go into a container or a vessel that actually that you get to keep or at the very least will remain permanent as opposed to all the time, attention and energy going straight into the boob tube, the black scrying mirror thing (laughs) and whatever version of it happens to be this year, a phone, a tablet, a TV, a computer, what have you. So I really want to dispel the myth of talent. There is such a thing as natural inclination and aptitude, but all of that is a function of care, which is heart. So if you really cared about something, then you're going to have an aptitude for it in the sense of the way people say talent. But there isn't this mystical thing called talent that they've got and you don't have. It's care and it's the time and attention and dedication to apply it and channel that care into a vessel that where like at the end of the day, you put it on a canvas and that canvas will still exist in 20 years and the value will actually grow for you personally, even if you're not doing it as like a vocation to sell it. You see some cool shit that you made many years ago and you're like, wow, I can't believe I made that. So cool that I made that. It retains its value. Its value goes up over time, whatever way you want to look at it. And that's the key is I really wanted people to get that, that you could Anyone could teach themselves to do anything because in the age of information, ignorance is a choice, 100%. <laughs> so I love what you're saying there about the just the actual 
I don't want to say grind because if the heart is there and the care is there, then it becomes funning more than working anyway. Yeah. And where the real work side is the, maybe the grindy side of it is, is when you realize that to ascend to the next level of whatever the thing is that you want to become better at, that it requires you to actually confront your own bullshit because you won't have the time, energy and throughput to complete the task to a high level. If you're also self-sabotaging for 20, 30, 40, 50% of the day, then it's not going to happen. So the beautiful thing about the creative path and why I consider it to be the spiritual path, like the authentic path of spirituality is creation because we are in the image of creation itself. Yeah. And so it becomes a necessity to also do our shadow work and also change and evolve and grow. If we want to change and evolve and grow our craft in an authentic way that's aligned with spirit and goodness. I think that that concept doesn't necessarily apply if you're like involved with some kind of vocation that doesn't really align with nature or spirit. You know, (laughs) if you're no offense to people like they really love sports ball or something, but you could probably, I mean, it still applies to a degree, but you could like, if what you're doing doesn't have the sort of intention for bringing enlightenment into the world or inspiration into the world. And it's like, you are actually signing up to join the Borg in some way and do their bidding. Then (laughs) just like the unseen forces will come to your aid whenever you seek to bring goodness to the world or do the right thing for yourself. There are unseen forces that will also come to your aid to do the the dirty (laughs) to the world too. So there's a weird thing about synchronicity that it can go light or dark because what we hold inside that energy returns to us all the time. So when we're on that flow of sort of like that, that downward spiral flow of it's not working. I have this expectation. It's not being met. I'm not stoked because of it. We're always in synchronicity. Synchronicity is perpetual, but the way that synchronicity then appears to us is as a vibrational match to our, our lack. So the key is to stay in the excitement bubble however you can. And yeah, I saw this actually with a client not long ago, this whole dynamic of um, disappointment, frustration, guilt over like, basically the sense I was getting psychically was like, I'm already this age and I haven't done X, Y, or Z. I couldn't have told him what the X, Y, or Z were specifically, but the feeling was there. And then this was basically like to avoid the, the sense of actual guilt, frustration, and identity crisis, it was blocking off the lower chakras pretty strong, especially the root and the sacral. So that energy was then having to get rerouted up, and it was a super overcharged throat chakra, which when we get a super overcharged throat chakra, it comes out as like super chattery monkey mind anxiety. But really that anxiety was just like the the way that uh, anger is often sadness that's just coming out in a different way because we don't want to face the sadness kind of a similar thing there's anxiety and chatty chatter energy was coming through in the form of this throat chakra because of the fact that didn't want to confront it in the root in the identity but yeah I mean the sound healing process is kind of like a blue collar thing in the same way because it's like I call it aura technician because there's like a method methodology to it and it's actually really simple Honestly, it's really simple and consistent. It seems like like I've got all these psychic um, abilities whenever I come out and I'm like, okay, this, this, and this is happening, but it's pretty methodical. I think anybody can learn it. I, so I, I, I bring all this up yeah. 
because this is my way to like slam dunk <laughs> the transition, connect all the dots of the things that you just talked about to the best of my ability, and then get us to bring up uh, Sergeant or Admiral Hits. I always want to call him Sergeant. This dude, <laughs> I'll tell like my experiences with him, but I want to know more because like we we just found out when we before we were on the air in the green room that we have a mutual friend who is uh, definitely into the sound healing world and quite a character. I kind of want to see if I can like find pictures on like Facebook or something to throw up. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. Check, check out some photos. He's got some stuff on Instagram as well. It's at Sonic portal. Um, but there yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, man, I think, um, I think when it comes to talent, just to, just to put a little snow cap on that, it's, it's no really, rush, you know, say it all. Yeah. It's really about that curiosity, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's the thing that you are curious about. That's the thing that you have the talent for. And if you follow that curiosity, that curiosity leads to passion, that passion leads to purpose. And then that purpose leads to abundance. And ultimately, you know, uh, being able to, to transfer those skills and use your story to leverage, to help other people get ahead more quickly, you know, um, let's get 500 likes. <laughs> um, yeah, share this stuff out folks, if you can. Um, and, uh, you're our only marketing team and sure as hell the social media algorithm isn't going to help us out with that. <laughs> no, it doesn't help us out very much either. I like it. We keep losing subscribers and shit. It's hilarious. I know I'll, I'll gain five, <laughs> lose two. Three. It's so wild. <laughs> it's pretty funny, but no, thanks everybody for, for hanging out. Um, I, you can do anything that you want to do. That's the truth of it. And we have the tools and the ability now to leverage, you know, you can use a trivium method of critical thinking and many other tools to learn um, and, uh, and just leverage that because like, there's really nothing that is withheld from us now. It's just a matter of us, you know, actually taking the time to pursue that and giving yourself the, the gift of that time, uh, you know, coming from me is like a, very much a, uh, I'm a type two on the Enneagram. I don't know if that means uh, much to anybody, uh, but I'm very much like a, a nurturer. Um, you know, it's easy for me to uh, basically box myself out uh, and not give myself the time and attention that I personally kind of need to develop in order in favor of other people if I'm not careful. So know that about myself and no matter what your personality type is or what you're like, um, giving yourself the gift of that time, of that time to reflect, do some journaling, ask yourself some questions, you know, uh, take yeah, buddy, I started journaling uh, late last year and I've managed to keep up with it. It's really cool. It's something that I do every single day. I do morning pages from uh, the artist's way. Um, and one of the things that she says in that book that's super aligned with what you just said is like, we're all creators and the creator doesn't make just one marigold, you know, it makes fields of them. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we're here to do. We're here to pr proliferate and create. And even the things that you don't have to, we don't have to share it all. This is a big takeaway that I got. It's like, I don't have to share. I could have 10 masterpieces that nobody ever sees that is just between me and the creative force, but learning to trust that creative force. That's what we're here to do. And it's not always easy, you know, this germination process, these, you know, getting these sort of negative experiences, they appear to be at the time are the things that make us go back to the drawing board, go back to first principles, start asking questions. And really that's what makes our development go. That's the thing that people perceive as talent, but it's not talent. It's uh, what is it? What is that quote? It's like, 
there are, you know, geniuses as common as whatever, but it's persistence. Uh, persistence is the thing. And that's truly what it's all about. Like if you keep going back to the drawing board, back to the drawing board over and over and over and over again, time and time again, eventually you're going to be able to find your own way to do that thing. And you're not going to be comparing yourself like you're talking about. Because if we, if we compare ourselves directly to somebody else, it's like, that's just being a parody. That's not good. You know, you don't want to be that. But if you can can learn that skill, whatever that is, and develop your own way, like you have a you have a talent, a skill that uh, from for doing what you do, and you're like, well, it's very pragmatic. I think people can learn to do it. That's true, but it's specific to you. That was something that you took to. You had a, a an affinity for uh, a feel for it was something that sparked your curiosity. You became passionate about it, and I mean. I think it's beautiful. I think it's really like the first time I saw your work, I was like, damn, this kid is talented. That was the first word that I said. I was like, this kid is talented. And, uh, you know, if, if I was going to try to be like, try to be like somebody else, that would be threatening to me. Right. Like I would be like, Oh, well I have, well I have to, it's like so much marketing. They're like, well, what did they do? Just copy what they did. And I'm like, bro, I'm not doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely not. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but it's definitely not what you said. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's the funny thing about it too, is like shifting into our own lane. And one person who's really good at, at that is our friend uh, at Sonic Portal. Uh, my friend, James Thomas. Uh, also he's, he's, he's a regular on the blue collar six podcast uh we gotta check that out can i pause you on this real quick yeah for sure because i think i don't want to get too far away from the subject matter because we got a voicemail from gordy oh good not a super long one so let me get that queued up here it's basically ready to go i just had to activate activate screen share and then i didn't even know that homeboy was on your show i'm definitely going to check those episodes out okay so gordy sent us Close to a minute of something. So let's see what he got for us. Cool. And if for some reason you can't hear it, Bootsy, give me the thumbs up or thumbs down if you can. I'm sure you will be able to, but just in case. All right. Okay, baby. This is for Bootsy. Um, This is Gordy. I'm calling in regards to the spirituality, conspiracy versus conspiracy, uh, whatever, chicken egg thing about what came first for you personally. Was it the spirituality or the conspiracy? Or was it a knowing of spirituality that led you to conspiracy? Let's let's dig that out. with the owls right now so i don't make it in to call say hey how do you he's out walking with the owls beastmaster gordy (laughs) that's a great question thanks buddy yeah it is man thanks gordy uh great to hear from you man glad you're hanging out for me it was uh, it was conspiracy first I, i grew up in the church so i had this exposure to some really weird mystical things in the pentecostal church when i was in high school so this sounds was, like a story. Yeah. So that was, I guess, I don't know. Like we were, we grew up always Christian or whatever, but, uh, but then I got into conspiracy pretty hard. Like right around 2012, I, I, I uh, discovered 
a lot of things. Like I started reading a, a lot of there was a YouTube, you know, that was that, back in the good old the heyday of YouTube, conspiracy documentaries, people making crazy, you know, uh, little little things in their basement. So I, I kind of went down the YouTube rabbit hole, started reading 1984, um, started reading Brave New World and those types of books. And so for me, the dystopian sort of narrative is it pulled the rug right out from under me at that time. And I went into a pretty dark depression. I definitely hit a dark night of the soul. And I think that's why uh, coming out on the other side, eventually I was so depressed that I had to do something. Uh, so I started looking into spiritual uh, literature and, and reading the Kabbalion and um, the Tao and all these other great books, Emerson, all these great books uh, and pulled my kind of pulled myself out. And I think that's why I work in the niche that I do now, because I really want to help people especially if they're a little bit stuck in that victim mentality, it's so easy to do because you look around, what's up, Bill? You look around and, uh, and you're like, man, they're doing this and they're doing that and all this. Uh, but upon further inspection, uh, it's, it really is, uh, there, it, it really is not what it seems to be. And there's also like levels of awareness and consciousness. Uh, I think it's all ground up. That's what the real conspiracy is, is that like we create everything that we hate. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly we follow right. the orders that are given to us. It's attention. Right. And so if we're not conscious, if we're not present in our life, then we get swept away with that narrative and we create that reality that we're being told exists. And if we are conscious in our life, if we're a present, then we have the ability to create the future. And that's actually even more powerful. Now we're actively tapping into energy. And so if we think dystopian from that angle, I think we are pushing it, you know, just as hard as uh, or harder, maybe even than the person who's unconscious. But what's really, I think the shift is realizing, oh, I do have an impact and we all do on the world and understanding how to leverage that and how to create the best possible world as a result of understanding that the real, the idea of like egregores or pendulums, that was one for me that like really tied the room together because it appears that there's like some controller, like with these arcade, you know, buttons and stuff. And it's like the robo claw that like comes down and like picks this person up, but it's like, it ain't like that at all. It's energy and energy works because of attention and people giving attention to it. And that could be positive or negative attention. doesn't matter. You know, whatever, whatever that energy is, that's prevalent, that has momentum. If people fight it, then they're actively adding to it. Frankly, you know, it's like, uh, if people would have just laughed Donald Trump to scorn in 2016, like he would have never been able to be the president because people were so angry and in such an uproar that just fueled the fire all the more. So I think that people don't understand how they're being manipulated by energy, you know, to continue certain ideas, certain, uh, you know, movements, all that stuff. It's, it's, it's about how we respond, how we react to it. And that is how we're creating reality or at least a part of it. You know, I, I can't help but like, like we all create reality again, back to my sarcastic you know, like manifestation, we're going to manifest a parking spot. But, you know, truly, we are actively in the co-creation uh, vehicle. And, uh, and we have to be uh, aware of that. Um, however, we want to define it, you know, like, because some, some terms just don't work for everybody. Um, but we really do have an impact and we are influencing our reality altogether. 
all the time. So um, it's just something to be aware of. I think that's why presence is important is so that we can actively, you know, create, create a better future. You know, we can leverage our attention and focus not on the problem, but on what we want, what the solution is. And the more we shift from, oh no, this horrible thing's happening. Look what they did over there to, hey, we're doing this. It doesn't fucking matter. That shit just vanishes in the rear view mirror over time. It has no effect if we don't give it any effect, you know? It's a tricky thing. I think we go often, sometimes we can get a little too far into the like, oh, if I don't think about it, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So I know you know. But on the other end, what you're saying is completely true. If all we focus is on is the issue, then we don't have any energy towards solution. Energy should always be put towards solution more than anything else. Paying attention to the problem is only there to reveal to you where the solution is, which existed before the problem in the first place. But speaking of dystopian, <laughs> I was checking out. I don't. Do you know Clint Richardson's work, Red Pill Sunday School? You heard of this guy? Mm-mm. Oh man, he puts out like lately his videos are like seven or eight hours long of just here's how the new world order is creating everything legally to do everything that you would never want to happen. (laughs) So one of the things he revealed in his new video, which I just thought was funny, what made me think of it was because he brought up like talisman magic and egregores was this digital ID wallet that was announced back in October, 2020 uh, called Talis T H A L E S. It's like it's supposed to be a digital ID wallet representing the next generation of mobile ID, creating a secure smartphone based home for all the owners, digital identity credentials. And it just makes me laugh that, you know, in the I kind of almost tempted to play this three minute video that they put out, like introducing it, where they give you a college student who's like basically their entire life revolves around using this uh, QR code generating thing to protect and ensure their ID is always exactly what it should be. <laughs> but to me, the joke is just that like they're presenting it in this video as if this thing that is in her phone is actually a living, like not living, but uh, an actual AI. So it's na- the whole video is narrated from the perspective personifying the software itself. And I can't remember what its name was supposed to be, but the actual software is Tales, Talisman. <laughs> <laughs> and they give it an egregore type in, you know, individual identity itself. Your identity has an identity. <laughs> oh my God. It's hilarious digital personhood thing. But yeah, Clint's work, it does kind of lean heavy on the everything's fucked and I don't know what to do. But it's important to know the architecture of control because that's how we sidestep the booby traps that are laid out in front of us. And I, without realizing it, I think his work presents a lot of solutions that are just kind of difficult to put into like, uh, here's how everybody does it. You have to figure it out for yourself, how you're going to do it. I also want to say shout out to Scott cook. Thank you for the awesome $20 tip over on Rockfin. Really appreciate that brother. That's super generous. And I'm catching up on the chat over there. You guys are saying lots of good things. (laughs) Slick says identity is the ultimate vulnerability in the world of illusion. Man, yeah, that's some deep, deep wisdom right there. Absolutely. If we weren't attached to these false personas, then we wouldn't be controllable through them. It's like that old concept that, 
you got to know a demon's name to control it. <laughs> but I, I'm curious where you were, where you're coming from with that uh, spiritual side of your church experiences, like early in life, uh, you saw some shit that transcended the materialistic mundane explanation of reality. Is there anything there we could hear about? Yeah, there's quite a lot, actually. There's so much. All right. All right. I still think about that stuff often because what happened to me was once I kind of got into that dystopian thing, start reading Ayn Rand, start getting like into objectivism and very materialist uh, ideology, right? Like, oh, if I can't prove it, then blah, blah. Meanwhile, I'm having sleep paralysis and like crazy, you know, experiences from the church haunt and pervade my consciousness constantly as I you know, go through life pretending like I know everything and can define reality. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, like those always hung in. We had experiences that were like intercessory prayer, speaking in tongues. I saw people be healed of uh, things uh, and I could never just explain that away, you know, so it always hung with me. So, you know, after that time of like, <clears throat> you know, the, the dark night of the soul, the conspiracy thing. And, and back to your point, we do need to be aware of what's going on. It, it's, it's, it's a fine line, you know, like it really is. But like, I think emotionally we have to each decide for ourselves, how much of this am I going to allow in, you know, what do I need to be taking in? Because for me getting into like a downward spiral of emotional, uh, victimhood uh just it's not the way to spend it's not the most ideal way you know to to um to move through life like i i literally got to the point where i had no social life i was living in my dad's basement quite literally i didn't want to come out i wasn't you know healthy and uh and and that's that's not ideal you know that was part of my journey uh i don't like i don't regret it but like as I came out of that, I definitely tried to be able to define everything. I didn't understand social dynamics. I knew they were there. I didn't understand how, you know, emotionally people could vibe, right? Like it didn't make sense in my rational brain, but I knew it was there. So those were also things that were upending me at these turns to look more inwardly, to look more into like spiritual uh, texts. And really I destroyed the sort of paradigm that I had been indoctrinated with. And that was a lot of work, man. I don't necessarily recommend that everyone do that. Probably took me like three years of time to literally dismantle the, the, the foundation of religion out of my mind. You See, know? I did it whenever I got disillusioned with the religious upbringing at about 17. I like TNT that shit completely obliterated it in one go. And then I pendulum swung way too far towards like the atheism, nothing matters, nihilism side. And my, I didn't understand that that was also very much in line with why my health just plummeted in my early adulthood, like between 18 and 21. I was in the worst health I've ever been in. Mm. I like pictures of me from back then. I look kind of like older, but also like a, a baby. <laughs> like too young, but also old and fucked up at the same time. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Yeah, that makes sense. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I can, I can kind of relate to that. You know, like uh, it definitely swung hard. I, I was reactionary about it, and I think that's why it took me even longer because I was in denial. I was like, I, no, it can't be. You know, so I pushed so far away, and I just had to continue to dig, 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 dig down, and and really. And partially because, and this might be why it took me a little bit longer. My mom is a devout Christian. So I would try and convince her. She would try and convince me. Meanwhile, what are we doing but digging deeper, you know, uh, you know, deeper holes of our own belief? You know, as soon as you argue with somebody like that, all you really do is reemphasize your position more and more and more and more. And they do sort of likewise, um, you know, there's, there's a proper way to, to talk about things, but the way that we would argue about it and the passion, you know, it would just basically uh, push us both further into our own belief systems at that time. I'm lucky to have a mom where though she's a devout Christian, though she takes it like historical when it comes to the Bible, and I don't agree with that, that we can have conversations about Christian concepts and about biblical concepts and that we can both be at peace with the fact that we're in the same place in terms of how these type of ideas orient us towards the world, which is the, you know, love yourself and love everybody thing. So I'm cool if you want to take it historically and that's your thing. If you're actually like my mom does living from the imperative of charity, but she's like the most charitable person ever. She to a fault, actually, it's she goes too far with it. So that's kind of and that's a difficult thing to breach in terms of subject matter. Like, you know, that your religion is actually programming you to be self-sacrificing, right? Because your Messiah thing complex is all about the best guy ever. Let the crowd kill him. And it's like, how do you get it into people's head that this very idea leads to communism, leads to, you know, a cow poke in every arm. I did it for everybody else. My my face diaper protects you. <laughs> All that stuff. It's actually it's quite insidious when you see that. But I probably would rather take that over in terms of like the way my mom approaches it, trying to love everybody, trying to do what's best for everybody and help a lot. I'd probably take that over extreme, you know, soul crushing apathy. So absolutely. It's a spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, well, those are, that's the point of really, you know, as, as I've kind of come, I don't know if I've come full circle, but as I have sort of resolved some of this stuff, I, I can see the beauty in the scriptures again, and not just the, the Bible, but all these old ancient texts, they're all leading to the same place. They're all leading to the self. And that's, that's where a true teacher will lead you to, you know, it, we're all complete. We all have everything that we need, you know, already, you know, we want to improve. We want to continue to evolve and do these types of things. Learn this, learn that. Absolutely. Do all that shit. But you have everything you need. You need nothing else. You are totally complete as it is, as it stands right now. And the message of love that's in the Bible, like, what, what, what more is there? You know, like Bob Marley saying about it, Jesus, you know, like all of these, all of these figures are really pointing us back to the self. And that's really what it's all about is just love. And, uh, and I mean, it's, it's really simple. And my, my mom sees it that way too, you know, so we've, we've been able to, 
you know, because she detests organized religion <laughs> for sure. So, you know, we, we read the red letters, you know, like there's a lot of wisdom there. There's a lot of power in, in that. And, uh, and, and I'm, and I'm for that. If people want to take it historically too, I have no problem with that. I have no, uh, issue with any of these, you know, I call, I call them like Robert Anton Wilson's one of my favorites and he would call everything a BS, a belief system. And so we all have them, but the idea is to be aware that we have them. And then at that point, it's like, okay, well, and that's where language kind of comes in. It's like, well, Mozart appears to me to be better than Beethoven instead of Mozart is better than Beethoven. That's that argument that just pushes everybody further into their corner by this like definitiveness, you know, it's this way or no, it's that way. Well, you're both right. You know what I'm saying? Like all perspectives are valid. They all exist. You know, like there are infinite perspectives. So being able to just acknowledge that and say, well, you know, here's a tool. The, the, the map is not the territory anyway. We have to filter it through something. We have to figure out how we're going to judge reality and based on what. And nobody can tell you what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, like whatever, like I have this belief system. It, it, I can test it out. I can try the world through this lens. I can try the world through another lens. And ultimately, each each one of us, we're building our uh, reality tunnel is what Robert Anton Wilson would call it. Vadim would call it your layer of the world. And they're all intertwined. They're all, you know, part of that larger picture, you know, as we decide and, and choose like what our reality is going to be. <clears throat> right. It's uh, the BS is a big filtration system. And really, it's all filters and many layers of filters applied to the the wholeness aspect of nature which is the capital s self the infinite pleroma endless eternal white light of and i wouldn't even say white light just the the all that is undifferentiable from anything because it is everything and so because that supreme being and i don't mean like a being that we would say as a, a character but I mean, supreme being itself, like the eternal self-existing, self-evident essence of being, that is the big self. We are all being in that sense. We are all the supreme being. And I don't mean that in like, uh, you know, you, you get accused of like, oh, you're Luciferian if you think that, you know, right. you think that you're better than God. And I'm like, no, I'm saying that we all have the divine spark and it's the right. same I am in all of us. And that is the I am that I am that is described in the Bible. And like Jen Bruce said in the Rockfin chat, great comment. You got to put your life best on before assisting others. I think that all, the only love that exists is self-love. Since if we are able to love the I am in ourselves, then we can express care to other people because we have the security to do that since we've provided ourselves with the essence of, you know, a creation itself, the essence of existence itself which is awareness of our higher potential as a supreme being or as a supreme being itself, as nature. The love is the recognition of potential. Fear is the constriction down to a single desired or seemingly necessary outcome. It won't be okay unless it's this way. Love is just like, do whatever, man. It's all going to be fine. <laughs> all is Brahman, man. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So, right. So I think all love is self-love. It starts there and it ends there. And then what we do for other people is we either express care or we don't. 
but we get that confused and think like you gotta love them over yourself and you can't even do that well i <laughs> you think you can't even do that yeah and i think a big problem too and this is a this is a toxic like it, it affects me still i mean i have to be very aware of it it's like we we have a deep-seated belief i think from going to school and all this stuff that we can't do it ourselves. that somehow we're incapable, right? That we don't have the tools. Like that's kind of how we've been trained through society that we need, you know, not that, not that we don't uh, work together and collaborate like as, as people voluntarily interacting and, and, you know, and being part of a, being part of a group, but like that we think we can't do it, right? Like we have this sneaky sort of uh, suspicion that we can't, do it ourselves. So then we go to whatever that easier sort of seeming thing is. And I think that's really sneaky and kind of deceptive. It's, it's, it's akin to like, um, you know, uh, the collectivist kind of toxicity too, in a way, right? Like where it's like, well, we all have I just to pull this ant card off my deck. <laughs> <laughs> the ant colony. But yeah, mind. it's definitely worth, uh, you know, peering into that, like unpacking that belief, where does it come from? And, you know, understanding you do have all the tools, like the, the idea of, of lack or that you can't do anything. It, it's a lie. There's nothing true about that. in, in any form of, you can learn how to do anything. You can do anything. Um, it'll take time, you know, there'll be a process to it, but um, you know, I think people just get disheartened and what we need to, I think the biggest enemy you gotta embrace the process, because if you want to be doing the thing, then it's not like you get to some end point and you're like, I did it. No. If you want to be an artist, whatever type, then you're in the perpetual liminal space of in between the beginning and the end, which is the present moment and the only place that existed anyway. So you want to embrace the in between and be like, I'm never fully realized in that sense. I'm never fully mastering this craft. There's always a next level. There's always going to be someone that runs a hundred meter dash faster, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. There is. And we have to learn how to do it our way. And it's not easy because there's nobody can tell you how to do it your way. You know, you have to try it. You try the fundamentals and do those types of things uh, until you kind of get a hang of it. And then you can figure out your own process, but then it will start to illuminate for you. Like you'll get a little piece, you'll get a little piece, you'll get a little breadcrumb, and then you'll start to begin to build your own process. And then once you can build your own process, it's akin to be able to make fire. Now you can make fire. Now you take your skill to make fire and then you can make fire on demand. Um, and so that's, that's just part of following, I think back to that curiosity, like that, that initial talent that really is, that's your curiosity is, is there to show you where your talents are, where the things are that you want to learn, that you have the capacity to learn, that you have the motivation within yourself to learn and to be able to contribute. Um, you know, the biggest, the biggest enemy I think is, uh, is a, is a mental one. And that is like, um, uh, what I'm trying to think of the, the right word. And I can't, I can't think of it, uh, off, off the top of my head, but basically just giving up, you know, uh, hopelessness, you know, despair, um, that is the real enemy. And, uh, <clears throat> and that's, you know, if you go watch like, um, um, oh, who's that guy from the KGB who, uh, G or Edward Griffin uh, interviewed years ago. You know, I'm talking about Yuri Bezmanov. Yeah. Yeah. You go watch the organization. Yeah. There's a hilarious sticker (laughs) set on telegram that has a bunch of like Yuri Bezmanov kind of, I don't know, Mimi things. It's like 200% demoralized and his face is all like, ah, 
I don't know why I'm <laughs> saying this. <laughs> Apathy is the is the only real bad guy, though. Absolutely. That's the word. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Apathy. That's, that's really what it's about. And in my struggles, the days that I struggled, that's the thing. It's like, God, like, I don't feel like doing anything, you know, and trudging through that back to that germination thing. It's like last week I had a day like that. I, I think it was Tuesday. I had real nasty, like fucking sleep paralysis the night before I wake up, I'm like, and I just felt like shit. I I didn't want to do anything. I I got everything done that I needed to do that day. And then I was on my way to go and do some open mics. I talked to my, I called my friend Christine today, but I'm having a hard time. She coached me up and gave me some words of wisdom. And she was like, probably just do it anyway, even though you feel like crap. So I went down uh, and did my thing, uh, even though I felt like crap and I felt much better than Thursday. Um, I actually had a huge insight into my process. I, uh, I went and performed and uh, I got a little bit of a glimpse into uh, one way to leverage writing for this particular skill, stand up comedy, it's something that I had been doing during the day. Like I'll sit down, I'll try to write some jokes, whatever. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. I'll continue to do that. But uh, there's a very, I would say, like, uh, productive time uh, right after getting off stage. You familiar with the idea of the uh, stairway effect? It's a French idea. No, but for me, when I come off of a really, really good conversation on the air like this, sometimes I'm buzzing far into the next day, even. So there is a magic to that, this reflective capacity between myself and another person where we're just like really continuing to build up the energy and deeper and deeper insights. And like, there's things that I think and know that I can't even access until I'm in that back and forth. So I imagine when you're doing that with a crowd and the energy they're sending back is ah, ha, ha, like, you know, that could be, whoa, that could be some seriously big stuff. So sure. Yeah. I think if that's what it is, that's my best guess. Maybe there's a whole different stairway to heaven you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I, there's definitely that you do come off. Like, especially if you, if you do well, there's, there's a couple ways like, cause like bombing is like basically being rejected by every girlfriend that you ever had again, you know, (laughs) and they're all in the same room and they're all mad at you. Uh, you know, so that's not a fun feeling as far as that feels like being publicly shamed, you know, it's what really kind of what it feels like, but, uh, yeah, it's such a huge, (laughs) such a huge, like, I don't know, risk, I guess you could say that people that aren't comics just don't take. I used to follow a lot of comics. I kind of fell out of it. But I've definitely heard all all of that philosophy back in the day. So you keep going. I don't know why I'm rambling right now. No, you're fine. I want to, hear, I want to hear you. You're vibrant. <laughs> no, I love it. No, but you know, taking that uh, energy and leveraging it right afterwards uh, is like because the stairway effect is uh, is that I think it's like basically you have like a, a a crazy fight with your partner. And then you're walking out of their apartment complex down the stairway. And then you think of the perfect thing that you should have said. You're like, ah, I should have said that, you know, that would have got them, you know? Um, so taking advantage of that and being aware, like taking that hour or two after the show and sitting through and going immediately through the set and, and, and then writing jokes on top of those jokes. It's almost like you get the opportunity to riff with yourself. I'll audio record all my sets so I can hear it again. I can hear what worked, what didn't work. 
oh, I should have done that this way. Oh, I should have. And if I do it right after, then I think the f- feedback's fresh and, uh, and, and I'm still in that sort of state. Because as a comic, it's weird. I feel like I was a funnier person naturally before I started doing comedy. Because like a comedian, you got to memorize all this stuff, jam it into the left side of your brain, remember it all when you go on stage and you walk around tense kind of all day with this thing that you're going to deliver later. And then you do it. <laughs> and uh, at that point, the tension's gone. So now you've said the things that you were going to say, your most secret thoughts or whatever. Uh, and, uh, and and you take that and you've completely quashed all that nervous energy. So it's almost like, oh, I get another run. And a lot of comedians will do this. There's not as many opportunities in Atlanta, for instance, to do like multiple mics back to back. But a lot of comedians, like let's say if they're in New York or LA, they'll do like five different, you know, comedy uh, performances in a day or whatever. So every single one, they're sort of leveraging the last and, and they're getting more into a flow and getting more comfortable with it. So it, 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 it would like it'd be like super addictive energy. <laughs> it can be. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's something that you got to hang with, though, that germination process, because I've done a lot of different types of performing and, and things like that. And. I felt like it was something that I was relatively natural at, but uh, I will say that comedy is uh, its own challenge. I'll just say that uh, doing stand up because like we did improv for years. I did music for a long time. And so I'm relatively comfortable on stage. But when you go up there, it's like Jerry Seinfeld says, it's like when you go up there, you, you, you see this guy who's just like telling a funny story. You're like, I can do that. But when you go up there, it is a cold, dead brick wall of nothing. Like they're not giving you anything. And you've got to start with, you've got to bring all the energy, right? Like, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit challenging, but I think that's why I like it. You know what I mean? Like if it was, if it didn't have that, if it wasn't difficult, then it would be, it would, you would get bored doing it. You know, it has to be that perfect sort of balance in the flow state of challenging, but fun you know, you're getting and you're getting something out of it, but it's not like so easy that it's not entertaining to you to p- continue to play that game. All right. How about for the next 45 minutes, just hit us with your best crushers. I won't say a word. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about taints. All right. Here we go. <laughs> hey, welcome co-host Gabriel. Hey, hey, fellas. What's happening? Hey, Gabriel. How you doing, man? I, man, your work is awesome. I've been watching quite a bit of it. I've seen a few of your uh, videos and I'm Prolific, super, he? super, yeah, he's incredibly. Oh, that's so cool. That's great. He nice. wakes up with the stairway effect, but about the occult. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Make nice. it really, really cool discoveries, connections. Uh, and yeah, I love what you guys are doing. Weaving spiders, too. It's amazing. That's great. Glad you like it. Real glad. You know, I was thinking about uh, the word comedian. It's it's interesting because it has that word comer, which is to eat. <laughs> and it's almost like, I mean, it's so vulnerable that it's almost like you are offering yourself up to be consumed, you know? <laughs> But if they like what you're offering, there's like this inherent wellspring of growth that you can just give and give and give. And you can actually leave with more than you came in with if things, if the relationship vibes right. 
Hmm. It's like what the psychic vampire uses subterfuge to steal, but oh. you're being, you're like receiving a gift instead as the comic and you gave them a gift too. It's a, uh, cause you create this positive feedback loop. They're getting their energy built up through laughter, which is a massive like cleansing and clearing thing for chakras and like bringing you up to a higher level of uh, vibratory clarity or whatever. I mean, I had a teacher that said you should laugh seven and a half times a day. And then we'd all laugh at like, how do you do half a laugh? <laughs> so we'd get one in right there. <laughs> nice. That sounds like a low standard to me, you know? And, <laughs> and that was not, like the bare minimum to be healthy yeah, okay, enough to survive okay. even. That makes sense. It yeah, is a low, I, low standard in the age of the internet. It is. Yeah. With, with the cat meme. memes. Oh my God. No doubt. Yeah. It's uh no, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing thing. Like the gift of light. So it's, it's confusing and confounding too, because funny always wins, you know, you could, <laughs> and I've been clowned on shit that I wish I wouldn't have been, you know, by other <laughs> comics, you know, like uh, points that I'm like, damn it. But I have the logical, but I have the logical argument here, but funny still is subversive. And so, you know, you look, <laughs> Whoever has the, the the last word, little quip, they look like they won that little battle, whatever that thing is. Um, so it's it's it, and it's 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 a it's a really amazing gift to you know people who are able to to do that, uh, and uh, and it's something that like you know back to that talent thing. It's like it takes it takes time. You you know it's got to be something that you are willing to put, you know, the effort and sacrifice the things that need to be sacrificed in order to be able to do that. I know most of my friends are way funnier than I am, but the majority of them are not going to go on stage and talk about their butthole. They're just not going to do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's great. I love that. I love that. It, it seems like we've, we've found the anti-vampire. You know, the comedian is like the anti-vampire. Dude, it kills the vampire whenever they get their the truth about them revealed in a funny way. That's like the real garlic. That's great. I love that. Yeah, that is. And yeah, yeah. comedians too can tell the truth, or the jester is the only one who's allowed to tell the truth to the to the king or whatever and not get his head chopped off, right? Yeah. 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 They say that with the allegory of the cave too. Like if you're not funny when you come back in there, then they're gonna kill you, you know? Oh man, that is really good. You know, that's interesting. You've mentioned the allegory of the cave a couple times. And you mentioned the Enneagram, mm -hmm. that you're a number two on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. I had a huge epiphany when I was studying the Enneagram. I think it is Plato's cave. Mm. And if you like the way that I when I studied it, I put the shadows on the outside of the graphic. So the negative reflections are on the outer perimeter and the positive associations are on the inner circle. And when I did that, I was looking at it. I was like, this looks like Plato's cave in the, the exit would be like between the four and the five. Hmm. Cause it has a, it has a tunnel there, a channel. Right. And that's kind of beautiful. Cause um, four and five is, oh, yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm a seven. You're a seven. Awesome. I have a lot of good friends of mine who are sevens. Uh, uh, James Admiral Hits, he's a seven as well. What's really interesting about this is like it's a great narrative device. 
Uh, there's a couple of books out there that I would recommend for people who are like looking to write narrative. Of course, there's Joseph Campbell stuff, which is fantastic. You know, all of the yeah. hero with a thousand faces. But a lot of people will use these archetypes as opposed to some of the other ones because it's it's a little bit more simple and concise here. And you can see on the wheel exactly you can apply where it to any like setting. It could be fantasy or modern, mundane Absolutely. or fantastic. And you'd have these archetypes would apply to human psychology anywhere. Exactly. And you can see who the antagonist is going to be to the protagonist as well. So for, for like a two, a type two, a number two, I'm a number two. Ha-ha, that's fun. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, number two uh, is connected, as you can see, to the four as well as to the eight. Right. So it ascends or it goes toward a healthier balance when it goes toward the four. So I was kind of sharing a little bit earlier. It's real easy for me to like lack boundaries, kind of get sucked in, you know, let's start giving away more time to other people instead of myself. So that progression to the four is really about, look, dude, focus on yourself, focus on the things that make you different. And that's going to be a healthy progression for you. Whereas to the eight, the eight being the challenger, that's when all the shit that the two represses just comes out in a nasty fury. So if you've ever been around somebody who's like, they're the nicest guy, what happened? (laughs) Probably a two and they just blew up. They just couldn't take it anymore because a a two, I'll be able to kind of intuit other people's needs and basically serve them pre- into it. Into uh-huh. it. <laughs> yeah. <dude. laughs> the thing about the two that it doesn't realize, and basically everyone on the wheel, is that other people don't have the same experience as they do. Their perspective is different. And you'll see that the nine's at the top. The nine is the mediator because it can see all of the different angles, right? It can see all of the different perspectives on that wheel. So everyone in there thinks that everyone else sees the world the way that they do. But in reality, it's not that way at all. So understanding that, it completely change the way that I interacted with people and understood where they're at. Like you can actually put yourself in someone else's shoes, not just in their shoes through your shoes. If you understand a little bit more about them and what, what, you know, what their take on reality is, you know, and uh, I don't want, I, I don't want people to like shove themselves into a box here. That's not the point. What's cool about the Enneagram is it shows motivation. So it shows you what your motivation is, what you really want to be doing so that instead of a bunch of like personality traits or things to kind of define yourself by. Mm -hmm. So depending on your type on this particular wheel, you will have that motive, which again, for story, you can't do any better than that. You already know what your protagonist's motive is. And then, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the opposite that's going to be the, the, the counterpart to it, like yeah. that contrast. So it's a pretty amazing model. People study the Enneagram for their entire lifetime. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's so much to unpack with it. It's such a powerful model. It um, is. You, you know, I have a theory. It's in some of my early on my early videos. I have a theory that uh, I wonder if the government has uh, sussed out everybody's Enneagram score. And if it not only plays into the algorithm that feeds you your advertising, uh, but if it's part of like a social credit score that we don't even know we have Hmm. and uh, thereby, you know, predicting possible outcomes and the, you know, the value of your birth certificate trust, things like that going on behind the scenes. Uh, It's a beautiful system. And 
I've got a question for you because I don't, I haven't read the book. I've skimmed through the book. Uh, Cliff Note Master here. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, if I, every time I, I look into one of the numbers, I can't, I'm like completely indecisive. I can't put myself fully in one because mm. I'll always find myself in another one. Does that mean I'm nine? It's it, it it's likely that you you may be yeah I mean it, it makes sense to me that you would kind of fit that because of your ability to see so many different perspectives and link so many different types of information together. Uh, yeah. It's one of the cool things that I really enjoy about what you've been putting out. But uh, yeah, that's very very likely. Uh, you know, and there's a couple. There's you can take tests and stuff. I don't necessarily recommend the test, uh, but I can send you a video of a friend of mine and. Uh, you know, uh, she talks about it. And there's another, one of the books that I actually just lent out. It's called Rapid Story Development by Jeffrey Lyons. I, I recommend that to anybody who's aspiring to write, um, you know, some sort of a, a narrative kind of thing. Yeah. Um, he talks about like the centers and how to feel the centers and, and to do some like testing in the body. It's just it's like muscle testing that where you can start to to, to figure out where um to start to figure out your number for me, I thought I was a seven and I'm, mm-hmm. I read, you know, and I was like, Oh, that's, I took a test and it said seven. And, uh, and then I'm I sure wondered to- myself, like, is that even real? Like, <laughs> yeah. I just had that idea. Like that long, maybe I didn't even really take a test and get seven. Maybe I got a different number and I'm just saying seven because it's my favorite number. <laughs> it's a good number. It's a solid, you know, there's a solid, uh, archetype there, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was mistyped at first. And so a friend of mine actually said, why don't you check and read about a, a type two? And when I read uh, sort of the, the negative attributes of the type two, it made me sick to my stomach. And that's how I kind of knew. I was like, oh, I don't do that. Oh, shit. I do that. You know, <laughs> one of those kind of takeaways where I was like, oh, I don't feel good right now. Uh-huh. Um, because it was so accurate. And so it took me actually a minute because that stung. Because what they say about a type two is that they are uh, the manipulator and not in the way that's like, um, you know, overtly like uh, sinister or mischievous. It's just that they do things and then expect other people to do things back without asking. Yes. And that's, that's the problem. And that's what I had to understand and address. And if, you know, especially as a man, you know, like they say that men make more money because they're more disagreeable is actually a, a big part of, you know, certain things, whatever. I don't know. I don't want to get into like this or that, but part of my challenge is like being able to be upfront, being able to be honest. And maybe that's part of the charge of being a comedian too. And like calling out things that are, you know, here and in, 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 in our face and, and, and just, you know, face, face first, like going into that. Um, yeah. Because I, you know, I would ordinarily maybe just be like a little bit more reserved Oh, whatever everybody else wants, let everyone else accommodate. But instead, I need to be, you know, actively aware that people don't just intuitively pick up on my needs and and read my mind, you know, (laughs) of course they don't. But until you kind of until you acknowledge it, you, you, you don't have the same amount of awareness, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I was a two for, uh, in one particular relationship, and I came uh, once I was 
removed from that relationship with the safe amount of time and distance, I began to like resent that dynamic in myself. And so I'm like, I've recoiled. I think I've jumped off that loop and now I'm on the three, six, nine <laughs> somewhere else completely. Um, have you, have you ever heard that um, a large proportion of the population are sixes? Have you ever heard that? No, I haven't, but uh, I admire and value sixes a tremendous amount. My friend Matt Ramers. Let's go into that real quick. Like, what are the attributes of a six? Because I think what you're getting at, Gabriel, is maybe that it's been, if it's a flexible thing and we can rewire our psychology through being aware of what we're like and consciously deciding to be somewhat different. Well, what does that say about like engineering the population to be a higher amount of sixes than anything else. And anyway, let's fully flesh that out. Like what is the six about? Not that it's a bad thing to be, but why would that apply? It'd be interesting for the elites, if you will, the elites to make more sixes, six, six, six everywhere. Ah, that's interesting. Well, the six is uh, someone who does worry. Like they think ahead, right? And so a healthy six is planning and has strategy, right? Like my friend Matt of Content Safe. Like what they do is they upload and down, they download and up, re upload people's content for them on the internet. He saw this censorship thing coming way before it happened. Um, so, you know, uh, very loyal, but, and then there we, we have that too, right? Like if you wanted to have your population do what you said, <laughs> you'd make them fearful and loyal like those would kind of be the things um but uh you know they defend your paradigm for you exactly right right great point uh but as you can see the six is linked to the nine and the three and i imagine there's some tesla uh correspondences and connections that have to do with that uh, so as far as the progression, it's a little bit different. And I don't know it as well as some of the other progressions because all three of those are linked. So it's a little bit more complex in the development and the evolution and the depth and the de-evolution de- of that particular archetype. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's a little bit different. Um, so, so, yeah. so a six, uh, let me just see if the integration and disintegration, if I have it right from a six, their negative reflection would be a three and their higher, their higher uh, achievement would be to uh, lean into the nine. Is that the direction it goes? I honestly don't know because they're all three connected that way. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. It's more I of, think they're, I think they're part of a wheel somehow that they're, yeah. they're, those three are interconnected. Uh, it's not. Yeah. Those, those, three, those, the way those kind of, uh, operate i think are a little bit different from the other numbers on i I see that it's more of a rock scissors paper not not a either or it's yeah yeah it is it's very interesting um so one thing that i think about with the sixes and what you're saying with them having that planning and seeing ahead like in terms of social engineering it would benefit the system as we understand it to have more sixes in the population because one of the paradigms that I see really uh, coming into domination, whether it's nefarious or not, it has come into a place of power that is disproportionate to what would be balanced is uh, insurance. It turns out that the insurance industry is making more money than the, uh, than the fuel industry. Wow. 
And they are in a place of a domineering position that I don't think people uh, appreciate nearly enough. And I, and I'll just, oh, they run, them. they run shit, dude. They run shit. And nobody say the medical, the medical mafia, their, their mob yeah. bosses, the insurance agencies that say, right. This is your procedure. This is what we'll cover. This is what we'll pay. And yep. they determine how much money the hospitals are going to make basically. Right. They determine what they're actually going to do in terms of protocol and how people are treated. Yes. It's and, wild. And people, people want to bitch about the Masons. And they want to bitch about all these secret societies. Ultimate middleman in a way. I mean, insurance is just like the, the pinnacle of the vampiric middleman paradigm. Yes. And so keeping everybody worried about what might happen and not about the reality of the present moment would really play into the hands of the insurance companies and chance you're going to love this. Uh, There's a couple insurance company uh, logos that are, uh, Pulling the old spider strings from uh, the Allstate, it's three circles. Mm. And Liberty Mutual is the Statue of Liberty. All of these are castration symbols. Uh, Very interesting. I've actually looked at more logos than that. And there's just a couple other ones. It's not across the board. But, yeah. Is this what you're talking about? Maybe it's not... No, it's the one that has three circles. I thought it was all state. It, um, state Farm, maybe? State Farm. Thank you. There we go. State Farm. It's got the, and that's the castration oh. scar. Oh, uh, man, you're right. It's also the Mickey Mouse Club. It has to do with um, uh, some old occult symbols. Those three rings right there. Yeah. Yeah, the the mark that's left after the scar from the castration ritual. Jeez. Which, to really flesh that out, I mean, what you're getting at is some really deep work you've done on the subject of how that particular fear after, like, the whole circumcision ritual is performed on on us as men, then we're constantly being symbolically programmed to remember and be afraid of that particular trauma that we don't actually consciously remember. And it's like, that's the, that's the stick in the carrot and stick of getting people to bend their will to a particular direction. It's like the fear of castration. <laughs> we just, you said it really, really well. I, I laugh because it's actually horrifying. You said it really well. Uh, the difference, the difference between an inch or whatever, like the amount of uh, the inch of flesh that they get, they take whenever you're a baby versus when you're an adult, you know, it's a very small amount on a fully grown person, but it's like practically the whole thing to a baby. It's crazy. It is I crazy. Butchered that the way that you would have said it, but you get me. Yeah. Uh, I've been thinking about doing a video on that, but I just need more examples, more su- uh, substance to flush it out. But you're right. That's exactly it. It's uh, it is. It's the it's the stick that uh, very subtle reminders of uh, bringing us back to the original birth trauma is a real big part of what I see as MK ultra mind control for everybody. Well, here we are talking about penis flesh. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, James Maiden. What's up, Jim? Jim. Welcome, Jim. Pound of flesh. That's right. 
Oh hey, God. so let's just like talk about something more. I, I, I mean, we could, I bet we'll somehow find our way back to this and weave it together in the next 30 minutes, but. Oh, and oh, we should talk about our mutual friend that we, that we brought up and didn't go there. Like, uh, so who is this guy? <laughs> is he really yeah. purple? <laughs> he looks like it. Is that Ganesh? <laughs> um, no, but, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's an awesome, awesome guy. Good, good friend of mine. He's been, uh, co-hosting the show with me. Uh, he's like a regular on the blue collar mystics. He's actually in uh, Colorado now, uh, shredding some narpow, some well-deserved, uh, time on the Hill. Uh, he's a, he's, a, he's an amazing guy though. I met him uh, a couple of years ago. We've been talking for about a year consistently. Like, uh, he was introduced to me actually, uh, through a mutual friend of ours as a comedian. And so, uh, we were bouncing ideas off each other. He wrote a script. And so I didn't know this whole world about James, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and, ulti- and ultimately come to find out he has this thing called the Sonic Portal, or he calls it a psychedelic spaceship. Uh, and, uh, and that is it right there. It is, uh, it is, I wrote uh, this thing. Yeah, it's pretty amazing because each one of those gongs is tuned to planetary frequency. So the whole universe is around you. That's why he calls it the, the psychedelic spaceship. And I mean, dude, he is going hard on this thing, like harder than I could have ever even imagined. We set it up in my living room and uh, wow, I was completely blown away. I've actually been in it a couple of times. But one of the things that he wants to do is arrange those gongs uh on your birthday to where the planets would be and have you sit in proportion. Wow. Oh, that's a really wild idea. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I've been in this thing too, and you're completely immersed in sound. It's not like you may have heard like singing bowls and things like that, that get pretty loud and fill the, the space, but there's something else entirely when the reverberations of the gongs are completely surrounding you, the sound waves are bouncing off the gongs off each other it's like this crazy amplification effect it's almost like an infinity mirror where there's mirrors facing each other but with sound and when you go in here and you close your eyes whether or not you happen to be on mind-altering substances (laughs) although at festivals where this gets set up is usually the case you will have it's almost like i think he even calls it forced meditation (laughs) yeah he does that's right (laughs) totally changes (laughs) your brainwave state and uh, i actually had my own experiences in this of like visions and colors and seeing things. And that was many years ago, probably going back all the way to 2013 or something. And it was before I was very heady at all, you know, (laughs) and that was one of the things that gave me a huge, huge wake up to wait a minute, definitely more than the body. You can actually like go places in inner space. And, and uh, I was a little bit into meditation at that time. I had been for a couple of years, but maybe like not even a couple of years, like two or three, not very long, not super deep into it. Anyway, this thing is, is really amazing and probably is a big part of the reason why I got into sound as a modality later, knowing that this was so powerful in my experience that we can do a lot with frequency and tone and vibration. So, I mean, just look at this guy. <laughs> and his face wow. mindgasm kaylee says yeah. Heck yeah. So, so owen you mentioned colorado you mentioned the hill you're not in boulder are you i'm personally in uh georgia so I'm, I'm down in the south right now oh okay just uh just east of atlanta and uh james has been kind of popping through 
Uh, he, he was living in Michigan, but he's been kind of like back and forth between um, he's on the road. I mean, he's a road guy. Uh, we both kind of are anyway, but so he's, he's been here a couple of times. It's funny, man. When we set that thing up in here, I was like, it sounded like an alien ship was landing in my house. I mean, it, it was, <laughs> I don't know how I, I need to send my neighbors gift baskets because you know, it was super loud. I don't know how the windows didn't shatter, you know, or something like that, because I think it would be, it's it's definitely a better experience outside than it is in the house because there's all the extra reflections and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was incredible. Um, and he's going to be out, you know, touring that thing this summer. So it'll be a, a handful of festivals. Uh, I'm going to go to at least one or two of those. Um, but that's kind of how we're, um, you know, putting out, like uh, letting people know, you know, what we're doing, the Blue Collar Mystics thing. And uh, I think a lot of people have some pretty impactful experiences in there. Um, and, uh, and you have me on with him at the same time, sometime and talk sound. Absolutely. I tried to have you on, on two, two, but we had a, we were both, uh, book. We had both had shows. Uh, yes. Okay. So, uh, this reminds me that when I, one of the reasons why I'd always drag my friends to the Sonic portal was because when you're doing a multi-day camping festival over three, four days, you get, you, you get pretty burnt out (laughs) you get super tired Mm -hmm. it's exhausting and i know for a fact that like i would bring people to that thing and after afterwards there would just be this feeling of refreshed rejuvenation like my knees felt better i could i could dance better afterwards i wasn't as creaky and cracky so all around the board it was like a massive healing experience it's like dipping into the waters of life but with sound and Oh, I had another point about it that I can't remember now. It'll come back to me. Take it away, gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, for me, my experience was like I closed my eyes uh, and I just felt a lot of that coming through me. I even opened up like and he knows intuitively kind of like what which one of the because each one of those two, it's like, you know, we have these different brainwave frequencies, right? Like alpha and gamma and beta and these they're also tuned to those so he's aware like he's kind of like takes you down from beta into like you know theta and so yeah, you're not get, just hitting the gongs there's right. like art they're doing it artfully too yeah yeah it's a lot i mean the the amount that has gone into it it was surprising to me but when i was in there and he you know he played for a while for me man like i I just, whatever that resonance was, I, I couldn't help but just open my mouth and just vibrate that out of my mouth, you know, like a monk, you know, doing those types of, uh, you know, chants and stuff like that. That's, that's, I just opened up to it, man. And yeah, I, buddy, sometimes when I hit a hard crunchy spot on someone's field and like, I really need the extra oomph, I just vocalize the same tone as the tuning fork. Nice. And that will usually push it over the edge and get things go like flowing better. Dude, it's, 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 it is really powerful. It's just like Jan said, like the vibrations are hitting you. So it's not the same as like, here, take this meditation that we recorded onto through microphones and put it on a tape. It ain't like that. You can't, you can't really reproduce it without the gongs. Like, so, because they are literally hitting you and going through you. And so it's amazing. Like I, I was actually quite shocked at how, 
how powerful the experience was and how much, you know, how much he's put into it. I mean, 12 years he's been doing this. And you every know, time I've ever seen him, he goes by donation only. He'll let you ride for free. They have an ask amount, but it's not required. They want people to get the healing either way. Yeah. And it's really, he still runs it that way. I mean, yeah, he's, he was super generous every time I met him. He's super generous, man. He's not about like healing people. He doesn't even want it to frame like that. Right. It's more that, Hey, Oka, you know, like, come on in, have a ride, check it out. And then if something happens, cool. Trickster. You You see, you see your dead cat. Not my problem. You know Has that happened? No. So you know we're gonna we're gonna have it at uh, Mount Shasta next year with the Grand America guys, but we're gonna have it out. Um, you know he he'll have it out at, at a few places, and I'll I'll definitely be posting and letting people know where the spaceship's gonna be because you know he'll be out at a few different places this year. I know for sure Burning Man. Um, I think lightning in a bottle, I think for sure electric forest, it'll be there. And then there's a couple other different festivals and stuff too. Um, so, you know, follow at Sonic portal and there'll, you know, if you guys want to find it, follow it around, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. I put that in the chat. I'm going to have to reach out to him. It's been quite a few years since we ran into each other. Yeah. You should, man. He's a fucking amazing guy. I'm so honored to like, it's so it's, it's hilarious. This is a, so between our mutual friend, he's never referred me anybody else to like, Hey, you should meet so-and-so is just him. And, you know, and, and, and it was in the context, like I said, of comedy, you know, we were talking about, you know, TV script that I was writing a movie script, which is fantastic by the way. Like it's like a modern day kind of Cheech and Chong sort of look extravaganza buddy comedy type of thing. It's very funny. Um, <clears throat> but that's kind of how we were introduced to each other. So we started. Work humor is a very untapped market. <laughs> I think so too, dude. <laughs> yeah. He's got a very distinct voice, you know, it's unique. Sweet, sweet. Well, I'll look forward to connecting in the future. I'm just glad that we could show people the spaceship and get their imaginations excited about that possibility and and they know from listening to me that sound is super freaking magical and that experience is super one of a one of a kind like is anybody in the world even doing something like that i don't know it seems super innovative super I super think, i think there have been people and he's kind of a heretic in their eyes so hell yeah i feel like we should just cheers that you know like he should be the heretic <laughs> Um, but I actually saw like gong business school ads on Facebook the other day. And I was like, well, what is this? But now I have to show this picture that, uh, our friend SB Alger created of me. Oh, this is glorious. (laughs) I think he made it today. Let me find it. It's so funny. Okay. I got to move the screen. Here we go. I laugh at just looking at it. Okay. This is uh me as Mary Poppins shooting for staff wizard. You got that Jimi Hendrix hat on and like a Sergeant Pepper's space David Bowie. It's a transparent hat. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That is fantastic. I know. I feel like this I should honor this by making it my profile picture across the internet with no explanation. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sean. I don't know if you're watching right now, but if you catch this later, I'll, I'll tell you thanks many times for this, buddy. Really, funny. that is epic. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a great edit. Like that's skilled. It's a very skilled edit, but also it's pretty funny. 
it's awesome. I mean, it's very superhero. I mean, look, I got like, got like, well, you can see my ribs. I'm looking really fit, like Mega Man. What's on your utility belt? What is in the utility belt? That's the question. <laughs> Mini magnets. <laughs> I love your I love your belt. It's also like it's like a cowboy karate belt. Both. Uh huh. It, it works for me. It works for me. I'm That's glad all. that we got to show that. <laughs> it's well done, man. So, yeah, we have. Oh, go ahead, Gabe. Well, uh, Owen, have you noticed? Uh, we were talking on the last time we were. I think it was on our uh, decoding of. Um, Shang Chi. We were talking about Hollywood has moved to Georgia. Have you noticed? Have you noticed any of this? Are you near or around any of that? Yeah, my background's in TV and film. I actually just picked up a couple weeks this month on a project, uh, just doing you know pretty pretty relatively easy stuff. But I have a couple credits. Um, I did a I did a lot of prank shows. That's actually how I got my start, and I was doing producer stuff behind the camera since about 2014 and I didn't start doing comedy openly until like 2018, something like that. It was actually right after I came off one of the productions that I did. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, bad trip, it's on Netflix. It's Eric Andre movie. Okay. I, 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 uh, field produced that. And then, uh, I helped with uh, a couple other prank shows that are on Netflix. One's called prank encounters. And uh, another one is actually on TBS. It was uh, called Double Cross, where the person thought they were pranking somebody and then they got pranked. <laughs> and that one was really fun to do. Um, nice. Are there, are there any particular like anecdotes of pranks that are still funny in the retelling? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> My favorite thing that I got to do, speaking of growing up in the Pentecostal church, was one of the scenes that I needed to cast, I needed a preacher for to cast a demon out of Eric Andre. Oh, and, uh, I, yeah, it didn't make the it didn't make the final film, uh, but I was able to uh, find someone <laughs> who definitely deserved it. <laughs> Put into the frame on that one. It, you know, not everything goes smoothly. I would say ninety eight percent of it. People are cool, but there is that 2% where people are pissed, you know, yeah, man. where they feel cheated, you know, they didn't know. Cause you, you can't tell them if you tell them it ruins the whole thing. So right. yeah, I, I haven't done a prank show since that. Uh, well I did. Yeah. I did that, that since the double cross one, but, um, but yeah, Atlanta, there's a ton of stuff going on here. And, um, a lot of friends who are independent, uh, you know, smaller production companies who are, are friends of mine. And then one of my uh, good friends and mentor, uh, uh, Jordan Wiles, who's just he crushes. He's a, he's a badass producer. He taught me how to produce. Uh, and, I, and then I learned a lot, too, you know, working on, you know, major motion pictures and stuff like that. But Atlanta, since about, I think, 2017 was really when it started come, happening over here. Oh, yeah. I was just going to ask when you when you noticed it. Yeah, they gave away these big tax incentives. Yeah. So I noticed that I would have uh, on my paychecks, it would have two addresses, one one in Atlanta and one in like Beverly Hills or L.A. Um, because of those tax incentives. So the more that they shot here and, and used local things and all that kind of stuff, the bigger the tax breaks they got. And right. it actually happened to a couple of other places. Charlotte was set to be the next film capital, 
but they uh, they changed their tax code. And so the everybody just dipped. New Orleans, they kind of had a similar thing. It's so hot down there too. People get so sweaty. It, it, it's hot here, but you know, New Orleans is is humid. It's very humid. <laughs> just, that's the understatement of the century. But um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, there's a lot of activity here, a lot of action here. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I was working on several different projects in that capacity before all this, the world kind of shifted. Um, but it was amazing when it did a lot of work just went away like people dipped but then people started coming here and shooting instead of la because there are less restrictions and all yeah. picked up even more yeah there's that insurance company thing pulling mm-hmm. the strings behind the scene it does not surprise me whatsoever and you can see a marked difference in atlanta between what it used to be even you know seven or eight years ago and what it is now i mean it's it's mm-hmm. unreal. I think they did like $7 billion or something like that in 2017. And so the next years it went more and more and more and more, you know, there's film studios now in like places like Covington, Georgia, and like all these little Peachtree city and Noonan and all over this, all over the city, you know, you see stuff shut down and they're shooting all, all kinds of different stuff. People get so mesmerized about, um, anything that's on TV. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't want to sound disenchanted because it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's mm-hmm. so much fun to create a project, to do a production and you have something that we can look at and see yeah. at the end of it. It's super fun. I love that. Totally. Uh, one of the things that I, I get, you know, disappointed about is people's willingness to just do whatever and comply and be, I don't even know, you know, they don't like, it's hard to even explain, but they just give themselves over so easily. Maybe I've done it. So, you know, in the past too. So I see it. And so I'm like even more sensitive to it, but it's like, they'll do anything. And then at that point, once they do anything and they're completely and fully invested, they're in a union or whatever, then they'll just complain about how their job is, you know, harder than yours and how they've struggled and suffered more as if that's the badge of honor. It's it's a pretty interesting, uh, it's an interesting field. I have a lot of amazing friends who I've met through production and who have shown me just through their attitude, their outlook, a lot of these self-help principles in real time. Like I've been like, how does so-and-so keep getting these gigs? And then I will see them show up and not even necessarily be that skilled, but be great to be around, you know, have a great attitude, make people laugh. And then they just keep getting invited back to do more stuff. And then if they don't have the skills, they develop them over time and eventually, you know, continue to be successful in in that industry. So like a lot of my friends are working like uh, Coachella and uh, some of these bigger music festivals like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're doing um, cruise ships. I was able to do cruise ships for a couple of years. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh my God. It was the coolest gig ever. It really was. But since they've put the mandates, I'm not really for that, you know, so I'm, I'm right. skirting around that. And I was right. really nervous that for a film, they were going to make everyone, you know, comply no matter what and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't seem like that is going to be the case, uh, which is, I think, a huge win. That's good. Yeah. Is, uh, isn't um, Jekyll Island is off the coast of Georgia, right? It is. Mm-hmm. I just learned that for some reason. I got a real bad geography mind for geography but i just figured that out uh 
about a month or two back. And this is really interesting to me because I did a, a graphic on how you do you know the two pillars of Solomon's temple, mm-hmm. the Joachim and the Boaz? Mm-hmm. Uh, I see uh, Jekyll Island as a Joachim. And Bohemian Grove as a Boaz. Oh, shit. And it's just very interesting that Hollywood has literally gone from just up the road from the Boaz, Bohemian Grove. And now they're right up the street from the Jackal Island, Joachim. Uh, It's like some sort of a turn, a flipping of the charges. uh, Just when we were catching on to them, (laughs) they go and flip the script. That's what I'm wondering. What are the deeper reasons to move and pack up shop? Yeah, tax changes is something. Sure, that's a good on the surface story. But you'd think that with the money and power and influence wielded by the powers that end up influencing Hollywood, then they could have set up those tax situations probably anywhere what was preferable to them. So. I, I will. I, I will. I got to point out the word Georgia has the word orgy in it. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, that's it's interesting. That's uh, they and they and they could definitely have kind of picked anywhere, but I feel like it's a big spread. It's a way to sprawl. It's really changed the politics of the state. Yeah. Like, apparently, Georgia turned blue in this last election, which. I'm sorry, but I call bullshit on that. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, I have no dog in this fight, but I can promise you something, dude. If you drive 10 miles outside the city of Atlanta, like, right. there's nothing but Trump signs, you know? Like, it's there's no possible way. Yeah. It's not possible. There's just not enough. Um, so, you know, I think it has a lot to do with that, you know, as well. You know, and that's just seeping in. A lot of pressure to vote, you know, uh, to the left, to the blue, Stacey Abrams and all that. Like, a you know, this overt uh, and even going to the mics and, you know, doing comedy here. I, I hear a lot of just very, um, I don't know, very uh, ah, like progressive view. Uh, ah. very, it's very, it's, and it's taken, it's like taken for granted. You, you yeah. have to believe this. Like there's no other option. Like the field goal posts have moved that far. To where you can't even have a conversation about this. Joe Rogan is racist, period. And that's, that's it. I mean, that's like, that is the sort of, yeah. and it's, talk about a challenge. You know, the irony that comedy could be so constrained to a worldview from controllers when the whole purpose of comedy is really to bring humor through speaking truth to power. In my opinion, that's what makes comedy valuable anyway you know i wonder was it oh i wish i was a little better with my history but i feel like uh georgia was part of the uh, one of the final battles in the civil war mm. and i just wonder if there's some kind of interesting overlap with like you know the old scars from that that turn of events and if they needed to bring that liberal energy onto the scar of some of that the turn of that civil war uh i lived down in the south i lived in uh, charleston for okay. uh, for a couple of years and i love yeah. i love all everything about the south and they hated me because i was from the north <laughs> they called me a yankee snowbird and they were 
they were clowning me. They were clowning me. I went, I went to my buddy's house and his mom was, was telling me, she was telling me. And she said, (laughs) she said, you know, I went to New York and I saw one of you hippies up there in New York, giving me the victory sign. (laughs) She thought because a hippie was given the two fingers, she thought he was rubbing it in. (laughs) She thought that he was like, saw that they had an out-of-state license plate that was from the South and he was going to, you know, put salt on the wound by giving them the two fingers, but it's all. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) It was was all out of love. And I just had to sit there and kind of like take it in and be respectful, you know, you got to take your hat off in the house, all that stuff. And I love that. I just love those old ways. Uh, And it just takes a lot of understanding and overstanding. Uh, but I, I do, I feel like there's something about Georgia with like, you know, some of those final battles with well, Savannah. the 13th colony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They burned Atlanta to the ground. I mean, it got burned all the way down. It's the resurgent yeah. city. Yeah. So they've, the, 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 um, the symbol for Atlanta is a phoenix rising from the ashes. You know, wow. Very Masonic symbol there. Look yeah. at the Georgia flag. 13 stars. And yeah. there's some Two pillars right there. <laughs> and, uh, Chance, guess what? Guess where Georgia is in my territories? It's under the death card, number 13. Mm. The 13th colony with the death card. Man, yeah. have you checked out the territories before? Oh, and I'm not familiar. Like, I like, check Gabriel, that out. I, you figured this out on your own, right? Definitely <laughs> 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 amazing. amazing. Yeah, the, the territories. Uh, it, it's blowing my mind. Uh, I did a full run through with uh, homie Romy and that's going to come out probably on his Patreon side. But uh, here, I think pretty soon I'm going to do a f- uh, another full run on uh, the 22 cards of the major arcana as they, uh, if you overlap them with the Zodiac onto the United States, all these layers of reality come through that just uh, it's taken on a life of its own. And it's really something to share, but do uh, it on an interverse, man. I'll take it. Okay. I, I've got, I've <laughs> put together. Hide it behind a Patreon. No offense, homie Romy. You got to nope. make content what? premium too, but yeah, yeah. I'd love to get into that with you. I'm sure that we'd have some fun with, and there's always more insights every time you talk about something like that. It is. It's like, there's a, it's such a there there. It's insane. Um, but yeah, I've got a lot of visuals. Now. I'm not afraid to just totally overuse you as my best resource. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. But this, but this is great. I'm glad we're talking about Georgia and, you know, how the his, the modern and the old, uh, you know, there's so much meaning to like, uh, you know, you know, the term geomancy, right? Owen? We should ask Michelle Gibson about this. Sure, she'd have a lot to say in terms of like the what's going on architecturally in Georgia and what may be the... Yeah alternate chronology of that part of the country because when we started looking into people like that's work it seems to suggest that the reason the south was burned down was because they were not really rebelling so much as they were a pre-existing civilization that was being conquered but that's a more far out perspective i think that it's got legs though yeah that that whole thing with the civil war is it's amazing how they traumatize us you know and takes so many generations for us to get the balls to even talk about what happened to our granddaddy, you know, and by that point they've already rewritten history. 
it's a it's critical stuff. But yeah, there's really something there about Hollywood taking up that space. You know, there's a country called Georgia too, and uh, there's serious clues on their flag. Let's look at their flag. Hold on, I'm pulling it That's up. An, isn't it the color of a uh, fucking oh. t- Templar all day? Templar, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. that's the country, Georgia. Wow. James says that your territory should probably just be reexamined every few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so <Yeah>. true. <clears throat> Where is uh, the country Georgia? Is that um it's it's in like the Russian area like west oh, yeah. yeah like eastern Europe like western somewhere in that area. I'm not great with geography either but I do know that, that it. That's perfect. That, yeah. that helps me cuz I I you could have told me Africa and I'd believe you. So I only know that probably because of the Beatles song. It's between Russia and Turkey. Okay, it's between Russia and Turkey. There we go. Okay. Looks like that. Nice. Oh, you know what I did? You know, I did something fun uh, a couple nights back. I took the the new Russian flag, the new one with uh, the double-headed eagle with the head spacing in two directions, and I flipped it upside down, and it's a freaking dragon. It's clearly like a Japanese or a, a, a Chinese dragon with the whiskers uh-huh. flailing back and like two eyes. It's very clearly a dragon head. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting that they have, uh, you know, symbols in their symbols that people probably go their whole life and they never take the time to just turn it upside down and look at it. And part of that is because isn't it disrespectful to flip your flag upside down? Yeah, time, yeah. Like a sign of uh, you know, like distress, distress. Yeah, right. Hmm. Yeah, and and then it turns into a dragon when it's in distress. Right, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so while we were talking, I did an anagram on State Farm, and guess what? Trauma Fest. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> amazing, amazing anagram revelation. T-R-A-M-A-F-E-S-T, Trauma Fest. They're farming for trauma, that's for sure. Yep. With the, through the state. Mm-hmm. Juliana just forwarded to the vibrant call-in line that the uh, Republic of Georgia is applying for EU membership tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So there's a lot of action going mm-hmm. on with Georgia right here. I got to um, remind everybody, since we're about to the wrap-up point, that after this, not too long after this, we're going to be reconvening on the Weaving Spiders Welcome YouTube channel to do Flow State episode, Buttery Toast with Jelly. <laughs> I don't know if that's the name of the, the number of the episode. I'm pretty sure we're on Buttery Toast with Jelly or Buttery Toast with Honey. It could be Honey Toast. Not sure, but either way, it's going to be a good time. We get together. We read books to each other. We reflect on what we've read and heard and we do art of whatever type we're feeling called to do. And some of us put that on the camera and we encourage everyone who does tune in to also check out their own creative flow in some way while they're listening to the music or the music of our words (laughs) getting brain scrambled. Yeah. Flow state is super fun though. I hope to see a lot of you show up. Owen, you're invited to, of course, if you got the time. And whatever your craft might be, don't necessarily have to show uh, uh, up on camera with that. But 
it's kind of an all or welcome jam. And since I've now announced that, make sure you guys get over to Weaving Spiders Welcome after this and and w- patiently await for us to go live. Or if you're the best option is to be in our Telegram channels, either mine or the Weaving Spiders Telegram or some such related orbiting satellite. So yeah, James is saying it'll be at about 10 or 15 minutes from now is when we'll kick it off. It's a good time. And Owen, thanks for joining me tonight. I had a blast, had a blast. Two hours goes by kind of quick. It really does. It We're does. Have to do it more yeah. together in the future. I really like your vibe and energy. We got a, several good belly laughs and lots of valuable insights for people on the inspirational side, especially in that first hour where really we're just going hard on like how to create the life we, we all want. (laughs) So love your insights, man. Love your energy. I wish I could come catch a comedy set in real life some weekend. Uh, Maybe I'll make that happen. It'll happen. It'll happen for sure. I mean, things are starting to happen now like that are just completely synchronistic, you know, like, I don't know how Sam Tripoli got booked in Jefferson, Georgia, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. It was a random text that the, one of the other comics got Zane who was traveling with him was like asking him to do a spot there. And he's like, uh, I'm in Arizona, bro. And, but I can book a show. And then they booked a show. So the three date tour was like new Orleans, Nashville, Jefferson, Georgia. So it, it, things like that are, it doesn't make any sense, you know, but uh, I've really started to physically, you know, been able to connect with the Grimerica guys now. Um, Joe Roop, um, you know, tons of people were out at the contact at the cabin uh, event that those guys put together. They're, they're, they're such a great, like lighthouse to me. I love the Grimerica guys so much. Uh, Darren and Graham are just amazing they're so I hear good things cool. i really need to get in touch they're great so guys. many awesome folks in our our circles it's a blessing we're like it's an embarrassment of riches really <laughs> that's well said yeah and so i think there are going to be more and more opportunities for us to get together in real real life and uh and i'm excited about it so you know i i'm just yeah i'm super duper uh optimistic about you know, connecting with everybody. We're super uh, fortunate to have such a great network with Alt Media United. and Oh yeah, I forgot to mention, we're both on Alt Media United. All day in my head, it was like, remember when we were introducing the show to be like, Alt Media United, that's how a big part of the nexus point of us being connected. So yeah, that's a great place to check out all kinds of shows that might resonate with your particular prefer- preferences, people out there listening. That's hosted by Mark Steves. He curates that and keeps that website going and is sort of a massive glue helping us all form the community that we definitely need to help that we all rise together through. Yeah. Give your, give your plugs for how people can connect with you, contact you, work with you, check out your actual work, whatever the case may be. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Thank you, man. I am so I've I've been looking forward to this. I love your work. Both you guys are doing incredible work. So it's really, really uh, I'm honored to be here. And uh, like I said, man, I loved your write up. I thought it was it was great. Really. uh, It really warmed my warmed my heart. Uh, We're starting my show is called Blue Collar Mystics because I believe we are all 
capable. We all have the tools um, to get in there under the hood and start exploring our consciousness and fixing things that, you know, we can be broken. And uh, so I encourage people to please send in your wake up stories. Um, But I would love to hear what happened to you. What was your, you know, what was your introduction into asking questions, you know, deeper into yourself and, 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 and coming along on this journey. I want to hear that other people, I think it can really help them. They can key off of it. You're not crazy. There's nothing wrong with you, (laughs) whatever Kundalini awakening, or if it's, you know, a dark night of the soul, whatever it is, I've heard a lot of different stories. Um, but you can check out that on all the feeds, blue collar mystics, just type that in. Um, you know, I'm at Bootsy Greenwood on all the social media platforms. This is my stripper name. That's a good one. It's a good one. (laughs) So I'm fortunate there. Um, We're about to do, I also have a telegram too. Um, I I can drop a link in the chat if that's cool. Um, We're about to do a, um, a book club. And that's something that I like to do with people. Uh, We're going to do this book, the dream searchers. It's a Russian book. Um, it's It's an interesting book. It's, it's, I'll be honest. It's not the best written. It's a fiction book, but what's cool about it is there's a lot of different techniques for dreaming in here that are embedded in the, in the book. So a lot of that stuff comes from Castaneda's work and other people. And it's kind of like thrown in here. Um, so my friend, Abby Johnson, uh, you can follow her at abstract underscore dreamer on Instagram. She's a lucid dreamer her whole life. Uh, and so, We've learned a lot about dream interpretation and some other things. And so she and I are going to co-host that. It's absolutely free. You got to get the book. Uh, and then we're basically doing a dream coven. So we're going to see what experiments we could do. Can we bust into each other's dreams? The dream space is real. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're going to try some of that. You have done it. <laughs> You're into yeah. it. Yeah, we weird. <laughs> yeah, we definitely over over overlaid our dreams on the same nights a couple times now. Awesome. Yeah, unintentionally, we overlap, but I bet if we were trying, I mean, I've I've tried before. There, uh-huh. Like you can ask for a dream of a sort, and often yeah. get it. And you know, consistency and persistence. It's not necessarily like the first try. You're gonna be like, oh yeah, yeah. But in reading, need a lot of honey. Yep, honey. And reading the same book probably helps a lot too. It's like syncing up with your thought patterns. That's a good, that's a good key. Nice. That's awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. There's, there's some really interesting tools and ideas in here. The first time I read it, I thought, nah. And then, you know, as we've continued to discover and unwrap, it's like, wow, there's a whole world that we are just told, don't worry about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, ah, no, it's just a dream, man. Don't worry about it. Um, but we're uh, going to consciously do some exploring. I'm setting all that up right now. Uh, and then you can check out, um, all the stuff. Uh, Bootsagreenwood.com is my website. I got some comedy stuff on there, a couple uh, clips. And then um, bluecollarmystics.org is, uh, you know, what I'm really uh, going through to collaborate with. We've got courses and stuff like that uh, as well. You know, we'll do coaching coming up. I'll have a new offer. We do, uh, we try to keep it fresh, you know, not trying to like resell the same old thing over and over and over again. We try to really key off of uh, folks and see what the needs are. So that's what's kind of been fun about the book clubs. So that's that's the thing. If you want to hop in there, I'll throw this uh, Telegram link in the chat um, and uh, you guys can hop in and become a part of that. Uh, I might need to give you a wrench for that link to work. Okay. In the YouTube chat. Okay. So just say something and then I'll wrench you. 
Okay. Yeah, the wrench gang. Okay. And then the link will be clickable. Wrench mob, let's go. We're gonna have clickable <laughs> links. It's gonna be amazing. Um hey, I want to let people know I'm still taking clients. I'm doing Oracle card counseling sessions. Those are as unique as each person that comes to me for one. Very inspiring stuff. Always a great message from spirit whenever we do those. And also sound healing, which I talk about practically every episode, but I want you to know that the modality is available for you. If you feel like it could help you get over the hump in some way, or you just want to experience what it's like for all your chakras to be vibrant and balanced with one another and what you might be able to vault into from that vantage point, let me know. Let's get together and work together. Chance at interversepodcast.com. I've also got this shamanically prepared wand that was born on 2-22-2022 that I'd like to get to the right person as well. So hit me up for any of those things or whatever. Just join our Telegram group. That's where the party at. And where's your comment in the YouTube chat? Owen? I thought it's it. Did you use a different porn name? <laughs> I'll try again. Look I don't know. Low collar mystic here. It should have. It's showing me that it went through. I, well, I don't know. Maybe it didn't. Hmm. I, don't see a, I don't see a wrench on my name, but I do see that I put it in the chat. But it might not be. It's not showing up. At least not on my end, not on the streamyard end, or on my looking at YouTube end. Right on. If if people go to anything Blue Collar Mystics, it's in the link of every video we do and everything. There we go. Just pop in there. No big deal. It's also in the link in bio on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So it shouldn't be hard to find. Hey, and Gabriel, thanks for joining as always. Uh, you know, I just wanted to be known that this is an official thing, that you're basically the vibrant co-host. And <laughs> I love it. If you want to keep coming back every week, I want you back every week. You're the man. I'll come every time you have me. I'm happy to come along, man. This is a great adventure. Feels like right. we're we're coming up out of this fucking lockdown like a like a loaded missile and we're all just ready to just launch into the next phase of life together and uh I'm super stoked, you know. Uh I think everybody is like really feeling the light at the end of that tunnel and hopefully we don't have to blow up Russia to fucking to get out of the the funk, but we're definitely marching out of Babylon, this crew right here. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, man. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. It was a fun show, as always. And we'll see you for the next episode of Interverse. It's going to be full of amazing health information. And uh, see everyone on Flow State, too. Night, night. Right on. Peace, fellas. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>